Well, hey, everyone. This is Brandon Shields, and today is Thursday, April 23rd, 2020. Today on our podcast, I have the great privilege of interviewing Chang and Angel Ho, who are members of the SOMA community. Chang, would you mind just introducing you guys and kind of what you do in our community vocationally and, yeah, anything that's relevant for this conversation? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Chang Ho, and my wife is Angel Ho, and um, for me, I, I work as a radiologist um, at the IU Health System, and I'll let Angel also introduce herself as well. I'm Angel, and I stay home with our two girls who are six and nine. Great. Well, we're so thankful to have just a little bit of time to chat with you guys today. I've been looking forward to this for a while, and uh, one of the issues that we wanted to talk about that we're just now, I think, beginning to come to terms with as a culture is that there is a massive gap in the pandemic in terms of how it's impacting different ethnic and racial and economic groups of people. And I think of particular note is how this is hitting minority communities, Um, particularly, again, more specifically for folks of Asian descent, there seems to be a rising tide of discrimination and even racism as China is being blamed as patient zero or kind of the origin for the pandemic. And it's interesting. I've been reading a book on the history of pandemics called The Pale Rider. Um, And they look at kind of over the last 500 years, uh, different pandemics, and even looking at the Spanish flu of the early 20th century, it seems like this kind of blaming and discrimination is nothing new. Uh, many Europeans even have, uh, which ironically, Europeans brought diseases to the New World that wiped out entire cultures, were quick to blame Asian populations during different pandemics as being the source of the influenza. And then that drastically shaped kind of social interactions and norms in terms of how people viewed and interacted with folks from an Asian background. So. Can you guys describe, you know, your ethnic background, how you've experienced this reality on the ground in Indianapolis? I know you see this as minorities, but also Chang as a doctor. How is this impacting you guys as well as other Asian Americans that you know? Yeah, so, um, I mean, for kind of answer your question for how it impacts us directly, um, I think, you know, reading the news out there and, and so the blessing is that we, we haven't um, been during this uh, time uh, been direct, uh, you know, uh, victims of, of racism, uh, although it, it certainly makes us a little bit more heightened uh, about, about, you know, how we walk out of the house even and, and uh, potentially like, you know, what you look like, you know, just to, just to try not to draw attacks. I guess, and because um, you read about all these things that are primarily happening on, on the East and West Coast, you know, with um, other Asian Americans um, who aren't even Chinese sometimes, you know, being um, verbally assaulted, uh, being spat upon, you know, uh, intimidated essentially, and, you know, a few instances of direct physical violence, um, you know, that I mean, when you read about that, you, you definitely, it hits home because, you know, that's something that can affect uh, us as a family, and especially for my two little girls. Mm. Are you seeing some of that even in the hospital system at all, like in the medical system, how how it's disproportionately, disproportionately impacting different groups of people? Yeah, sure. So it's interesting that you mentioned that because, uh, you know, the stereotype is that, you know, a lot of the um, 
healthcare workers and physicians particularly are Asian, and, when, and it's partly true. So, like, you know, if you uh, looked at the percentage, it's, it's somewhere in 1 to 10, the 1 to 20 range are, are Asian Americans. And so um, it's kind of like this uh, strange duality where, you know, the ethnic group is experiencing racism, but at, at the same point, we're also on the front lines of healthcare as well, trying to help people, you know, with, with COVID-19. Mm. Angel, I'm curious as a mom, how do you think about this? You have two beautiful daughters, and I'm sure this is this is something that you're very in tune with. Um, I'm curious, like, how you're dealing with this, how you're talking to your daughters about this. Are they even aware of this? You know, how are, how are you thinking about everything? That's a great question. And, yeah, you're right. We This was on our radar, I think, before the masses here were in the state. A um, couple of reasons for that. We were supposed to travel to Milan, Italy, for spring break to see family. Um, so when it hit Italy, um, we started paying more attention to what's happening. It wasn't called a pandemic yet then. And then my parents um, are Taiwanese. I was born in Taiwan, and we immigrated to Texas when I was around seven. And Taiwan, I don't know if people know, but it's been touted as, you know, a model country and how they've been handling the COVID crisis and they haven't had the lockdown. They're doing contact tracing and they've been able to keep it under control. So the people there are really living their normal lives. Um, But because of that, and my parents still have, you know, family there and they keep up with the news there, it was on their radar and they were starting to warn us about it. Gosh, I think even back in January, um, even before the travel bans were issued for China. And so because of all that and because we we're planning to travel, um, back in January, we started having conversations with our girls about the potential um, of discrimination or things people might say to them or us um, when we're abroad that might be not kind and talking through how would we handle that and we did things like role-playing you know saying mean things and how we respond and how we should respond even if we're angry and hurt or scared Um, and then I think as COVID became more and more headline here it was interesting Uh, my third grader didn't really have any conversations with friends about it or experience any weird discussions among her friends or peers. It was my six-year-old who's in kindergarten that came home and was asking me about um, COVID and what it means and why some of her classmates were saying, oh, it's the Chinese people who have it. Mm. Um, They didn't say anything mean to her necessarily but they were like well you're chinese right Mm. she of course like yeah yeah i think somewhat innocently i think these classmates were asking well do you have it Mm. so um so i think that's where we had some more in-depth conversations about well when a disease or illness is associated with a region or a country and its um, people, 
and even though we're not from China, um, we may get lumped in mm-hmm. and how to handle that. And because she was like, but I was born in California. I'm not from China. <laughs> and her <laughs> classmates were like, but you're Chinese. And she was like, well, no, not really. Mm-hmm. So there's some innocence there, but I think some of that, I mean, being how, being the age they are, I'm guessing um, best case scenario is that they're overhearing the news or overhearing the conversations, bits and pieces of it from their, you know, family members and not really understanding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I am definitely more aware when I'm out and about with my girls. Um, we don't try – yeah, we try to go – places where there's people but not so crowded that it's dangerous um, from mm-hmm. a perspective mm-hmm. but also less likely now to go to um, parts to take hikes if it's just the three of us mm-hmm. uh, just in case worst case scenario type of thing um, some things that happen besides verbal um, assault or you know slurs being thrown at us yeah Thank you for sharing that. I, I think that's just important for people to hear that that's not a reality that a lot of people are walking in this time. There's a lot of things that people are afraid of. For many people, particularly in majority cultures, it's not, am I going to be discriminated against? Are my kids going to, is somebody going to say something to my kids about their ethnicity and, and maybe cause them to have to question their sense of self or, um, or be afraid of that? You know, I think that that reality is, one, it's good for us to be dialed into, especially as Christian brothers and sisters, that if one part of the body suffers or struggles, we all suffer or struggle. There's a solidarity in that. But I also think even just beginning to think about how do we as a church not only become aware of but advocate for brothers and sisters and, and just know that that's the emotional space that adults and children from uh, who, have, who have Asian descent, who are of Asian descent, are living with day in and day out, um, I think that that just opens up an entire new arena of prayer um, and presence as we think about our life together as a community. I'm curious, one of the things I'm trying to focus on in this podcast is just helping people with practices of renewal in times of crisis or specifically in this time of COVID-19 and the pandemic. How are you guys kind of staying grounded in God during this time? What kinds of practices are helping you manage this fear, anxiety, some of the maybe even frustration and anger that you feel because of uh, the discrimination that's happening around the world and, and even here in our own city. How, how are you guys kind of staying grounded? What, what kinds of practices is God inviting you into in this time? Well, for me, um, it's uh, really because our schedules have changed a little bit, right? Because, um, you know, it's not just going to work anymore, even though I, I do still uh, go into the hospital. Um, but uh, basically trying to um, help, you know, like essentially having an organized schedule to, to make sure that, you know, daily in the morning that, you know, I go to the Word, that, that we pray um, specifically if we have, have some anxiety that, you know, we're feeling or, you know, things aren't turning out as well as we like, you know, at home or, um, you know, with the kids and their education and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, I think, you know, a lot of families are probably struggling with uh, how, what do we do now that, uh, you know, we're, we're like essentially, um, you know, being called to, to homeschool um, 
and also as well as the our time was was not you know um we weren't expecting this i guess nobody was and so and so how do how do we deal with that together and so um so for me like uh you know it's been helpful it's basically just you know uh praying to god you know in the morning as much as i can I think for me, um, I'm trying to spend more time in the Word, um, not just because of the COVID fear and potential um, anti, you know, anti-Asian sentiments happening to me or Chang or my kids, um, but yeah, like Chang mentioned, the challenges of our lives shifting so drastically and homeschooling and um, it's not even really homeschooling, um, but I think other other things that have really helped me is I'm in a group with other Asian Americans and it's been helpful and good to process in a safe space um, our takes on, you know, life with this and and yeah, processing with these sisters about, you know, what's it like to react gracefully and without wanting to, you know, yell and scream back. Um, a friend in this group um, actually was really scared when she was out shopping one evening um, by herself because her husband was sick, and she's she's of Korean descent, and she was wearing a mask, as most people are now when they're out about shop, shopping, and uh, she was alone in this one aisle, and this guy came around, and they made eye contact, and he made these motions, you know, martial art motions that um, towards her. He didn't get too close, but he um, he, di- he did that, and she got really scared, so she got her stuff as quick- quickly as she could from that aisle and then went to, you know, the next thing she needed to get, and he followed her. And every time she would, you know, check to see if he was still there, he would make these um, movements towards her. So... Um, so things like that, to be able to process and, you know, share our feelings about that and then being angry with each other, I mean, for each other when things like that happens um, mm-hmm. has been helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's been a couple other instances here in town, actually, and a friend of mine, she didn't experience, but her son did. Um, they were out for a jog, and um, her son decided to cut her cut cut his job short and he was ahead of the um, family and while he was waiting to cross the street um, a group of teenagers started throwing racial terms at him and some of them he he didn't understand and again he was not even Chinese he was of Korean besides mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's across the board um, in terms of um, discrimination People don't know and don't know if you're Chinese or not. I mean, if you look Asian, then you get lumped in. And I think for us and everyone, that's unfortunate. Um, And it also is a good reminder that racism is not new. Mm. I think this, again, has brought a spotlight that anti-Asian Sentiment has been around the U.S. I mean, pretty much ever since the first wave of Chinese immigrants came over um, 
to California. Right, yeah. and I think that's important for people to remember, right? I, I think that will be news to some people, or some people are not as dialed in. We tend to think of racism, and particularly here in Indianapolis, a, a long history of African American racism against African Americans, but it's not just limited to uh, African Americans. It's certainly uh, there's a, there's a long history of anti-Asian bias, discrimination, racism, stereotyping, violence, and you know, Chang. One of the things you sent to me early on after COVID hit was this uh, this statement on anti-Asian racism that was put out by a collaborative, the Asian American Christian Collaborative, a group of you know, gospel-centered, Bible-believing Christians. I think there's over 9,000 signatures now. And, you know, they talk about some of this this history, which I think is, is good for us to be able to confront. Um, and I think what I hear you guys saying is there's just so much opportunity right now for uh, repentance, for acknowledgement, for lament and prayer, and going back to the Word and, and just seeing the ways that we've overlooked these issues and now they've kind of brought themselves back into the, the uh, from the periphery to kind of to the front and center of our collective consciousness, not just as Americans, but as, as the church. Um, how, how would you guys, I mean, there's, there's a lot in this, this statement that's really helpful. Um, they, they give kind of a history, a narrative history of uh, anti-Asian racism, and then kind of issue some calls for the church, some practical steps. And they talk about things like engaging in whole life discipleship, you know, teaching about, uh, Jesus and and uh, his views on justice and what it looks like to to be a disciple um, and, and think about our race and our culture and ethnicity as a part of that and the ways that that leads us, you know, towards life in God and the ways in the past that that's led us away from life in God. He talks about, uh, they, they talk about in there uh, just educating ourselves and being aware of our history, um, being aware theologically of what's happening you know, holding elected officials accountable for their words and actions and, you know, finding ways to protect the vulnerable from violence and oppression and pursuing justice and peace as, as the Bible commands us to do. I, what are some of the ways that you guys would encourage the church to be active in this time? How can we as a church be coming around and supporting brothers and sisters of Asian descent during this time? Yeah, I think um, that's a great question. I think, um, like you said, it's it's really you know, educating ourselves about um, some of the history that, that's there, um, you know, starting with uh, essentially Chinese immigrants, you know, in the 1800s and, and just some of the really uh, hardships that they faced as, as a, you know, as a group in, in America that was brought over for essentially like cheap labor, uh, but then not welcome when that labor was done. And, and so there's a lot of, lot of history and, and uh, really some baggage there. And just understanding, like, you know, from, from uh, you know, if, if you have the, the blessing of, of having, you know, some, some Asian-American friends and just kind of listening to them and, and um, you know, asking, asking sensitive questions about, like, you know, um, how, how they've experienced that and, and uh, learning from them about, uh, you know, things that, that are, you know, um, may start off as a lot of the racist comments, you know, kind of start off as, as a joke, you know, like uh, – like making fun of language, you know, and maybe the um, the ethnic foods. I mean, ethnic foods a lot more accepted now, you know. Uh, I think um, in the Midwest too, and um, but uh, you know, it, it's still it's still there, and and so like uh, you know, a lot of the COVID stuff was basically like you know just highlighting um, or putting a spotlight on uh, inherent racism that's still around, and mm. 
you know, if you look at if you look at the breakdown of uh, racist activities, you know, within the past uh, last two weeks of March alone, there was like over 1,100, you know, reported incidences of, of um, racist attacks against Asian Americans. Um, a lot of that, you know, had to do with like just the really old stereotypes of yellow peril, um, of, you know, like some of the just the false information that that's been put out, you know, by by actually the U.S. government, like, you know, a while back, you know, during this time with the Chinese Exclusion Act and, and basically saying that, you know, um, putting out those stereotypes that, you know, Asians or Chinese people tend to be like dirty, you know, they eat, eat weird stuff, you know, that kind of stuff and harbingers. Mm-hmm. And that, that's not anything new, you know, in, 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 the, uh, in um, some of these racist attacks. And so, so those are just kind of like rehashing some old prejudices that are, that are around. Um, so you're suggesting, you're saying just the step one would be like listening and understanding people's stories and becoming aware of how these are realities and how they've historically been realities. Like what, what kinds of questions are not helpful? I think it's always like as a, as a, a non-Asian, you know, like you're always trying to figure out maybe what's helpful. I think best, best intent, best motivations would be to ask good questions and to listen well, but I'm sure in that, there's going to be mistakes made. Like what kinds of questions are not helpful as we're seeking to kind of probe the hearts of our brothers and sisters uh, during this time? I don't know. Angel, do you have, do you have thoughts on this? I mean, I think taking an interest is really important. Like I shared a few times with some friends who are not Asian about some of the anxiety and fears of even just going out to get groceries or things like that. And some people were really great about asking follow-up questions and even offering, you know, hey, well, maybe I can go get things for you so you don't have to go out as much type of thing. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, the interest show and then the follow-up questions from that has been really great. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's been other people who are like, oh, I never thought about that. And that they're off to, you know, well, this happened to me today. And that can be kind of discouraging because it's like, okay, you're not putting any thoughts, any empathy. And I think, I think for me, especially if there are brothers and sisters in Christ, I do expect a level of interest or a level of empathy. Um I don't think everybody has to, I don't know, pick up the cause and be well and, you know, fight for this injustice, even though that's ideal. But at least on a personal friendship level, I think there should be more interest. So I think um, in general as a church, um, we need to stand up for, you know, injustice, not just for Asians, but for everyone, and I think, um, yeah, I I think not asking questions, and I mean, some questions, you know, can be kind of honestly irritating <laughs> or frustrating, but if they're being asked out of, like, honest desire to learn more about me and my culture or my ethnic background, um, that's totally fine, but... I think you can always pick up when someone's just asking to ask um, versus showing an authentic interest. Yeah, 
I guess what I'd like to um, clarify then is is not necessarily a a sensitive question, you know, like um, from the heart, but but essentially statements that seek to normalize or downplay your experience. Um, and so I think I think the church um, hasn't always done a good job of that. Sometimes um, I think you know they 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 tried to sugarcoat things or maybe you know well intentioned try to make things better. Um, in the end, um, they're not really listening. And uh, and we do that also with any kind of like tragedies that we experience in life, and and uh, you know with some well-meaning um, brothers and sisters saying, oh well, it's not that bad, or I, I've experienced this too, or you know they just don't really want to sit with you and lament sometimes. And so I yeah. guess yeah, that's the thing that I would say is yeah, don't don't downplay the experience, um, really really listen sensitively and and lament with us when we need you to. Um, yeah. yeah, and so. I mean, you know, like we, you know, thankfully, again, like I mentioned, you know, we haven't experienced uh, any racist attacks yet, you know, in, um, in our personal experience, although we've, we've had friends that have had this happen to them in Indiana. Um, you know, if you look at the percentage breakdown, most of them do happen on, on the East and West Coast, where actually there's lots of Asians. Um, and so part of that is, is primarily just where are there more Asians, um, but also speaks to the inherent racism that still exists because, you know, these, these bigger cities with more uh, multicultural uh, ethnic diversity are thought to be this, you know, more tolerant um, melting pots. And where in fact, that's not always true. Yeah. So listening uh, with compassion and empathy, lamenting with our brothers and sisters, not trying to fix, not trying to opine, not trying to, marginalize or minimize feelings or explain things away or say, yeah, but, you know, this thing happened in China or, hey, what about the Chinese government? But just just sitting with one another and learning to lament honestly and openly. Um, any, any other, anything else just that you'd say as we begin to uh, just wrap up here? And I want to invite you to pray here in just a moment. But just, yeah, any other encouragement or uh, things you want to say uh, or communicate to, our, our, to those who are listening here? Yeah, I think that um, those are all great points. Um, I want to say that I think a lot of people think, well, I'm not racist, which I don't think is true. We're all racist, uh, myself included. Um, And I think for me, not being racist and being anti-racist is two different things. Uh, for me, it would be awesome if you're out and out and you see someone being harassed, um, that you would speak up, you know, and not just passively do nothing about it. Um, obviously, I wouldn't want you to put yourself in danger or anything like that, but there's a safe way to speak up or advocate for the person being victimized. Um, do that. And I think, um, yeah, I I would love to see more education of, you know, your knowledge about um, Asians and the many, many hundreds of different cultures that are just lumped into Asia or Asians. Um, And, you know, ask questions, educate yourself. Uh, I would also um, like to add that, uh, you know, we've we've been spotlighting um, as we should for for this podcast about uh, Asian racism, but obviously racism as a whole affects you know all all peoples of color. And uh, I think it's very interesting that the coronavirus 
um, has essentially is a spotlight about how how it's affected, um, you know, primarily from a social economic standpoint, but which happens neatly to fall along uh, ethnicity. Uh, and so essentially the people that are dying from it tend to be the um, people of color, um, not necessarily Asians, but uh, our black brothers and sisters. Um, and they're also disproportionately affected by uh, being the essential workers too as well, particularly like some of the blue collar jobs. And so, um, so I think God is really using the coronavirus to, to spotlight how our human systems and governments are, are not reliable. Um, and, uh, and essentially like he's the only reliable one. And, and I hope that, you know, we, we are able to, to see the spotlight and actually make real change. Um, you know, like we don't just hope to go back to, to normal because I don't want to get back to normal. You know, I want to mm-hmm. back to, I want to go back to, yes, like we're able to interact with each other socially because that's so important. But, you know, what I don't want us to do is, is to, you know, long for, um, you know, the things how they were because how they were was kind of messed up, uh, mm-hmm. which, which is how, why this is happening, you know, uh, why yeah. there are effects of the coronavirus on different ethnic populations. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. And that is our prayer that God would bring about a new normal. You know, they would use this time to, to bring about renewal and, and for that renewal that happen in our relationships, but also our systems and our structures, because so much of this is, is happening within a, a social systemic context. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this podcast today, which is to call those things out and to invite followers of Jesus to reflect on what does it look like to obey Micah 6, 8, um, as we have influence and as we have power to do so, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God is our calling as disciples of Jesus. And so we want to recognize the ways that that's not happening, wasn't happening before the pandemic. And now those have been exposed and was the imitation of God towards us. And how can we live into a new reality as we find our way through and grow up our way through the darkness to a new dawn? And so, again, we, I just I so appreciate you guys. Thank you for sharing your heart. We just love you guys. We're so grateful that God has brought you here into our community uh, to be agents of transformation. And, and, man, I just my heart aches with you guys as you carry these burdens day in and day out in your vocations, in your uh, relationships, uh, and although you haven't directly experienced these things, I know that just it hovers around and it's very thick and, and weighing on your heart and your soul, and I, and I want that to be true of us as well, that we bear your burdens with you. And so, again, we, we just love you guys. We're so thankful for you. And, uh, Chang, I'd love for you just to close our time in prayer, both for our nation but also for our church, that we would carry this burden together and bring it before the Lord and ask him how he would invite us to respond in light of what we've heard today. Yeah. Heavenly Father, um, you know, the coronavirus has certainly been hard on people, um, hard on everybody, and uh, and certainly we uh, don't wish this um, upon anybody, but uh, Lord, we know that uh, you will be glorified during this time, that uh, you're using this to spotlight how things are wrong and um, how you're calling us as a church to to help with um, bringing social justice about, you know, in your spirit and in your power, Lord. Father God, I just thank you for for Brandon and uh, this podcast that uh, we're able to spotlight some of the resurgence or uh, re, re, like essentially um, racism that was that was old that has been around and and uh, is now again surfacing. Um, and I, I pray that uh, you would help 
each and every one of us uh, have sensitivity uh, to this uh, to to be able to to learn more about it and also how they can stand up to racism um, by being advocates for peoples of color that that are being oppressed. Lord, pray that you um, would move in each and every one of us and how they can do that within their spheres of influence and particularly for Soma as well um, and where you put us in the in the middle of, of central Indiana, how um, Soma can be involved in your work of, of uh, racial reconciliation and bringing about social justice. Lord, I pray that uh, we would all be moved by, um, you know, what you're doing and, and realize that uh, human systems and uh, systems of racism that were in the past have, have brought us to where we are and uh, to be engaged in your, in your name um, to, to bring about uh, better justice um, and in, improve uh, access to health care for, for all peoples and also better their situation. Father God, help us to to know where we can we can serve in that. And Lord, I just thank you for for the, all that you do. That you are in control. That you continue to watch out for us. Um, that you care for us, and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being on here. Grace and peace to all those who are listening. As you uh, try to figure out God's invitation for you to practice the way of Jesus, and specifically as you lean into um, what it looks like to fight against injustice and to work for peace, to work for love. I pray that the Lord blesses you and gives you great wisdom in doing that. Great.